All right, welcome back into the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. The Listen Live player is brought to you by Champagne's in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. We're going to take a break from March Madness for a little bit to talk some Saints football with our uh, our guests now, my friend Ralph Marlborough of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He's a Saints historian. He goes on WWL TV and uh, writes Saints columns for WWLTV.com. And Ralph, I, I'm when when I listen to the podcast, one thing that I reminded of is like how I always, even though I've known you for, geez, six, seventeen years, something like that, when yeah. I first met you, right. I still say your last name wrong. Like it, it's Malbro, and yet I just <laughs> say Malbro, and you never correct me. Like even though I've said I, your name wrong a hundred times, God, I can't, I can't pronounce anyone's name. I feel like, like, like I can't. I can't say anything about somebody mispronouncing a name. Like if people know me, like I, people call me the modern day buddy D. Like I, I butcher everyone's name so bad when people butcher my name, I'm like close enough. Like people just, they say Marlboro, like the cigarette or whatever. And they've been saying that since I've been like five years old in kindergarten. So I'm like, it's close, it's close enough. At least they didn't like, if they don't add an insult between my first and last name, I'm fine with it. Well, who like, but then you've got Ralph, like what, yeah. What? Who's the best athlete in history named Ralph? I don't even know, dude. I I'm just excited that I'm one of the seven people on Earth named Ralph that's under the age of seventy. Like that's pretty exciting to me. Like, have you besides me? Do you know anybody in your life named Ralph that's not using a cane to walk? I doubt it. No, no. I did, look, other than you, the only Ralphs I know are, I don't know them. You know, it's like Ralph Nader or Ralph Malchio or Rafe Fines. He doesn't even pronounce it Ralph. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I don't know. I was, I was trying to think, you know, like who. who so, apparently there was a, uh, a baseball player um, yeah. nicknamed the, the Major, an American catcher and coach named Ralph Hawk. Is that? I guess you knew about him. I didn't. I just. I just. Let, Ralph Neely was a uh, a football player in the uh, '60s for the Cowboys from Arkansas. That's right. All right. So you know all of these. This. I'm just. I'm just learning things here. Ralph Gar. Wow. Ralph Gar. Okay. Is from Monroe and played in the majors. See, I, th- these are these are new to me. I'm, I, you because of you, I'm learning. Obviously, I know Ralph Sampson, and I remember Ralph Beard, but. Um, Boy, a lot of these, I you know, Ralph Simpson, that's yeah. another one. Ralph Sampson was the one I was going to use. Thing is, you can go to the Social Security like website and you can, or some sort of what like baby name website. When we were trying to name my my son Max, and I was typing in names, and it'll tell you like when a name like peaked mm-hmm. in like popularity. You know, Ralph peaked in popularity in nineteen twenty one. Uh oh. <laughs> 1921 was it a family name i mean what you know I can't. <laughs> it's my grand it's my grandfather's name the funny thing was my wife as we as we totally talk saints my mom wanted to name me bradley ralph and for whatever reason my father thought bradley was the most hideous name in the entire world so he told my mom he's like listen if you're gonna name him after your dad name him after your dad don't stuff your dad's name in the middle name that no one's ever going to use either name him ralph or name him something else and so she named me ralph all right last thing on ralph do you do you know uh the cajun ghost ralph dupas do you know his history i do not okay so here here's what you roll with when someone talks trash 
Ralph Dupas, and I, I did not know this. I'm just looking it up now. Um, was a light middleweight champ, a world light middleweight championship boxer from New Orleans. He won 106 fights, and uh, he passed away about 13 years ago. And his boxing nickname was the Cajun Ghost. Um, and so that that's your go-to. It's like, hey, uh, there's a New Orleans connection, and the dude – you know, was a, was a world champion. So suck it. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that on the radio, but that that's what you go with. If somebody starts <laughs> ragging right. you about Ralph, just Cajun you know. ghost. That's a good Twitter handle too. Oh, they, oh man. The Cajun ghost. That's just a great nickname. The Cajun that ghost. Is. What, what's your favorite saints player nickname all time? Oh, it's hard. I always liked it's simple, but I always like Hollywood horn. Um, you know, somebody <laughs> Twitter called Andres Pete a trash can. That's not an official nickname, uh, but it's uh, that's. I would say Ho- I would say Hollywood just because it's easy to remember and he was so showy. Like that would that would probably be my my favorite my favorite Saints one. Uh, my favorite the one I hated the most, of course, is Iron Mike Ditka. So there you go. I think I think I have to go with just Ironhead. I mean, like yeah. people never even like it rarely. If anyone said Craig Hayward, they wouldn't. They would say Craig Ironhead. It was either Ironhead Hayward or Craig Ironhead Hayward. No one ever just called him Craig. And it was such a perfect – rest in peace, by the way. But it was just such a perfect nickname for him. Like, Hollywood's a, a good one, but, like, I feel Ironhead's like – Ironhead's probably better, yeah. Yeah, like, like, more, like when people talk about Joe Horn, they just they say, man, remember when Joe Horn did this or that. People yeah, bring up old Hayward memories. They just nickname, say, remember Ironhead. Great nickname when – a great nickname when your your nickname becomes how people not only reference you but speak to you or about anything about you. Like when they just say Ironhead, and you're like, yeah, that's Craig. Hay-. Like if you say Craig Hayward, they're like, who? But if you say Ironhead, immediately people know who it is. Yeah, I think Ironhead Ironhead's better. I, I totally it. I've totally blanked on him. And you can't you can't say Deuce because Deuce technically did change his name legally to Deuce McAllister since his uh, birth name was Delimus. And uh, you talk about Ralph being uh, a name not used much. That might be the only Delimus ever, and Deuce decided to just get rid of it uh, <laughs> legally. So uh, with that, though, Ralph Malbro, I guess, you mentioned Andrews Pete. You know, I, I, I saw a little you know Twitter poll you'd put up, at Saints Forecast on Twitter is Ralph's handle, um, about Sheldon Rankins and Andrews Pete. Rankins signed with the Jets. Not a surprise. You figured he was going to go get money elsewhere. Um, but you said who had the better Saints career, and I mean you had eight nine hundred votes, and like there's more people that say Sheldon Rankins now. Rankins might it have is. had it's hysterical. I, I just it's hysterical. so Rankins might have had one better singular season, but in terms of like overall career and impact, I mean I I didn't I voted in the poll. I didn't vote for Rankins respectfully. Why why is there why does it like I know the answer, you know, because his mistakes are always exacerbated and his wins aren't celebrated or even noticed. I guess that's it. But is there another reason other than that that, like, Saints fans just can't stand Andrew Speed? Well, they blame him for, like, the Drew injury in 2018, right? Or 20, 2019, right? So they blame him for, like, the, bro- the, the, the messed up thumb. So that's part of it. But I find... The, the the way Saints fans view Pete, I find it fascinating and hysterical, Scott, because there's not a bigger disconnect between how the Saints view Pete and the broader NFL 
views on just Pete. Between that and the way the Saints fans do, because the thing is, Saints fans rail against his contract and they're like, oh, the Saints paid him too much. The reason the Saints had to pay him that money is because the Kansas City Chiefs went full court press to get him last year. So Kansas City, a gold standard team, right, of offense and Andy Reid, they were like, Andres Pete, you can be part of the solution to our offensive line, right? So there's this giant disconnect between uh, the Saints and the NFL VP and the Saints fans, and I find it, it, it delights me to no end. And he's going to, Scott, he's been to three Pro Bowls. Guess what? He's going to the Saints Hall of Fame. Oh, <laughs> Ralph. I mean, I mean, you think he's going into the Hall of Fame for sure? The Saints Hall of Fame, 100%. Yeah, like, he's had, yeah. three, he's had three Pro Bowls, and he's going to play probably three, four more years for the Saints. He might make another one. Like, that's his... That's a lock for the Saints Hall of Fame. You can argue whether he should be in, whether the Pro Bowls are weird now because people opt out and all that. But I'm just telling you, like if he he's going to end up playing, he's going to end up playing for like a decade for the Saints and have four Pro Bowls. That is a lock, Saints Hall of Famer. I'm just I'm just telling you. That's that's. I mean, <laughs> it, it, just, just like it's weird because it all it's all logical. It makes sense now. I, I think there are some years where maybe he he shouldn't have been and he was whatever. Like I don't get me wrong. I don't think I don't think Andrews Pete is is a is a elite guard by any stretch. I mean, Carl Nix mm-hmm. and Jari Evans could at their peak could run circles around him. I also don't think he is, you know, as you put it, one fan called him, you know, a trash can. Like it's he's he is he is an above average guard mm-hmm. um that has value around the league. Whose mistakes are magnified by just nature of whiffs and his body type and things like that. But it's it's odd, man. Like I, I, I'm trying to think of players from the past that were good, but fans just didn't like them. And uh, and I'm I'm having trouble coming up with names. I mean, like like we could come up aside from like you know quarterbacks and things like that. And in terms of just on field play. Like a a, mm. a a position like O line, I don't know, man. There's just there's there's never there's not really um, a, a, another person in team history quite like Andrews Pete in terms of the fan base's relationship with a player. No, and the thing about that Andrews Pete is so is so tricky is his contract is, you know, I really believe that if the Saints were would have been in a different position, like if he would have been a free agent this year. Even without the Saints having all their doing that, having to do all their cap gymnastics, I 100% believe they would have let Andres Pete leave the building. But last year, they were like, "Listen, we are making one last run with Drew. We cannot go backwards on the offensive line." And remember, Joe Thune and Brandon Drew and all the good guards got franchised. So, and the drop off between Pete and the next guard you would have got in the, in free agency, it was the Grand Canyon. So the Saints were like, we cannot go backwards on the offensive line in the interior, Drew's last year. So I think they maybe paid him more than they wanted to, and that sort of complicates how we feel about him, right? Like if he was on a, if he was making a little bit less or whatever, we wouldn't. I don't think that'd be the, the sort of opinion of him that Saints fans have. But it's all wrapped up. But I just, I find it his, I find him hysterical because, like you said, there's never been a Saints player that's like so wildly disconnected on the. The, how the, the team thinks about him and the fans. It's just, it, it delights, 
it delights me to no end. All right, Ralph Malbro, our guest, ESPN1420.com. It's the Grace Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. Is is it overstated the perception of Pete with the fan base? What I mean by that is, are we in a place now with him where there are a lot more of you and I and somewhat like, I don't know that anyone's completely like-minded, but you know what I mean. Like a lot of people that are saying like, He's not what is it just because the Twitter mob is so loud about him? Are there more? <laughs> probably are there, there, I feel like, like there's off Twitter. Yeah, we'll there's more defenders. Of, of yeah, Pete. like there's more defenders of Pete than maybe we we let on or, or realize. It's just it's just because we're on social media too much. Right. Well, the final thing on him is, Scott, is, you know, my co-host, Andrew Juge, he, he's been grading. He grades the Saints film every right. week and he's been. He took a little break, but he's mostly been doing it for like dang near a decade, maybe longer. And he says Andres Pete's the hardest player that he's ever had to grade because his highs are so high and his lows, he's a turnstile. So, like, he, like, most players where, like, you, that, like, reach peak, like, Andres Pete, his peak play like most players Andrew will tell me like they stay in that range right and they and they're they a little lower a little higher but they stay in like a range of like this is what they do week in and week out Pete has so many valleys and peaks remember last year after the Philadelphia game Sean Payton he, he wasn't even asked he threw him out he, he just, just totally said, did and yeah. he just said he says Pete's got to play better like he's got to play better, and, and I was, we were like, "Wow!" It was something, you know, and so, what, but but Ralph, what's worth noting is that he was he he did. I mean, he had a really bad stretch. After that, he played really well the rest of the way. Yeah. But you know what? You yeah. didn't hear from anybody. I say anybody again. Here I am dealing with extremes. It's not true. You didn't see any of his detractors say, "You know what? I I got to admit, he's playing like his detractors will never point out when he has a good stretch." But after Peyton called him out, it was like he came to play. It was it was it was arguably his best stretch as a player, but yeah. boy, that it followed up his worst stretch ever. So to Juju's point, man, the peaks and valleys there. I don't know, man. He's he's I he's an interesting case study, and I think when he eventually leaves the Saints or retires or whatever or maybe many years from now, when he goes into the Saints Hall of Fame, as you said, we need to have like a drunk Saints history ju- on your podcast, just of Andrews Pete, because I-, I think he's I think he's fascinating. He is. All right, Ralph Malbro, our guest, Saints Happy Hour podcast. So, how about the NFL uh, pulling the rug out from under him, man? I mean, it was it was it, there was a brief moment on Saturday where Saints fans were like, "Are you kidding? Like the Saints appealed the COVID nineteen." like forfeiture of the seventh round pick and they got it back and the Raiders did too. Is this, is this happening? Well, it is, but it isn't because a few hours later, uh, we're going to dock you a sixth round pick in 2022 and find you 700 grand. Um, you know, meanwhile, the Titans are having, you know, COVID parties at a high school practice field, but it was, I, the whole, the whole thing was so saints, right? Like that whole situation. And, and, and like, I, I think some fans, while they're celebrating Saturday morning, and I love it, like you're celebrating because not just because, you know, they got a seventh-round pick back because of that fear that they were going to take multiple picks away. So there's the celebration, like, I can't believe it. And then a few hours later, like, actually, that nice rug we gave you, let me just rip that out from right under you. 
Yeah. This is why it was so infuriating. I lost my mind on our podcast. I heard it uh, last night. I heard you. Here's the reason. Las Vegas. They got fined a hundred grand more than the Saints during the year. So whatever criteria the NFL they don't tell us, whatever criteria they use, they obviously thought whatever the Raiders were doing was worse than the Saints. They didn't lose a pick. Like you said, Tennessee, they they were having COVID parties. Baltimore, their trainer was walking around their facility handing out cups of COVID. They didn't lose a pick. Like them to single out the Saints, unless you're going to lay it out for me and explain to me exactly why, instead of just a press release, I'm going to rip you to shreds. And it's just capricious, and it feels arbitrary, and it just feels like they're sticking it to the Saints because they love to stick it to the Saints. And for Bounty Gate and, and crimes, previous crimes committed or believed to have been committed – and it's just it's annoying to no end, and it's it feels sort of Scott. It still feels very secretive, doesn't it? Like they don't lay it out. They don't really lay it out. You know, they they didn't explain they didn't explain why the Saints lost the pick and everybody else didn't. And it's just nonsense, and it bothers me to no end. And it's like like. Part of me thinks, and this is total speculation, I have no source or anything, it, I think there's part of the NFL hierarchy Goodell. Like, I really believe they're mad that the Saints didn't fire Sean Payton because of Bounty Gate. I agree like, with Tom you. Tom Benson yeah. held firm and didn't fire him. And I know it's a long time ago now, but you can go back in the archives, Scott, and they had ESPN reporters, Ashley Fox was one of them, a bunch of other people that were like, Sean Payton's got to go. And the Saints, Tom Benson, he didn't fight the NFL necessarily incredibly hard to like get it reversed or anything, but that, that guy, he held firm, and he did not kick Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis to the curb. And I would argue of all the things Benson did for the Saints and New Orleans and whatever, holding firm and not giving in to the mob at that time and, and firing Sean Payton and Nick Loomis was one of the best things he ever did. And I just, I have no evidence of it, but I feel like the NFL, they still don't like that. And they, and, and whenever they can, they stick it to the Saints. ESPN 1420. It, it was, um, to your point about Vegas one, I hadn't thought of till I heard you bring it up on the show, but find a more here, but like the, 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 I want to know the appeals process of okay, we accept this, but we but we're still going to find you for something else. Did the Saints break the rules? Yeah, they broke the rules. You know, um, I think. It, but to expect consistency, I think if you're a Saints fan at this point, I mean, what do you, <laughs> you know, I mean, would, would, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I mean, if you're still believing any of that as Saints fans, then shame on you because the way it played out on Saturday was something that felt very Saints-like to me. It was peak. It was very Saints. It was like it was like peak off season Saintsness in its uh, in its in its uh, arc of the story of we got to pick back. No, we don't. All right. Before I let you go, Ralph. Ralph Malbro at Saints Forecast on Twitter. Saints Happy Hour Podcast. If you haven't subscribed, if you're not listening, do it. Um, free agency. Your thoughts on a very general question, Ralph. So maybe my, let me let me word it differently. 
What's your biggest takeaway from the guys the Saints had to release and um, with, I think, the the second phase of free agency now getting underway, um, what they can reasonably do moving forward here? Or at this point for you, is it all just about this year's draft and those eight picks? Well, I'll tell you what is the thing that's concerning to me, Scott, is the defensive line and corner is really starting to worry. Like, if you take Trey Hendrickson by himself and you take Sheldon Rankins by himself and Malcolm Brown by himself, none of those guys are if, – if it would have just been one of them, you'd be like, eh, it's okay. They, you know, they got Carl Granderson. He can maybe be close to what Hendrickson is. And, and if Camp Jordan comes back, maybe, maybe Granderson can be a 7-8 sack guy, and that's good enough. But when you talk about three guys on your defensive line, that's a load to replace. And then you talk about Janoris Jenkins, you got to go get a corner. And the thing that I think has really hampered the Saints is your cornerbacks that are barely room temperature are getting not like Jalen Mills got nine million guaranteed from the Patriots. He's barely above room temperature, man. And like the Saints, they they're strapped against the cap, so it's not a thing where you can go out and get a decent veteran corner. So, like, maybe Richard Sherman will pay, play at a discount, but he's old and he was injured in 2020. So, like, filling corner is going to be very, very difficult in free agency. And, Scott, I would say in the draft, to expect them to get 2017 levels, that's a unicorn, but they need to have a draft like they did after in 2019 where they got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and they got Eric McCoy, they need probably a little bit better draft than that. They need one starter and two guys that play a ton because the middle of this roster is like, it's gutted, right? And the thing is, the Saints aren't going to be, it's not that they're going to be bad or they're going to slip back. It's that the last three years, Scott, we knew no matter what the heck happened to the Saints injury-wise, they were built like a tank and they could survive it. And we saw it even when they lost Prees twice. They just kept on trucking. When they lost all the linebackers in 2017, they had Manti Teo. When they had injuries at corner, when they had injuries on the like injuries on the line, because their depth was so good. Now they have a high variance. Like that, you could tell me a scenario where the Saints go 11 and five, and Jameis is amazing, and they have to pay him. You could tell me a scenario where they have a bunch of injuries and they have to plug in UDFAs and guys that are kind of terrible, and they go six and ten. Like there's just a wide variance because the guts of their roster. It's kind of stripped bare. ESPN 1420. I, I'm with you on the draft. Um, you've got to hit big time. Luckily, you've got a wider net with the compensatory mm-hmm. picks and everything you did. But you got to have a you know your first rounder, which is 28th. I think they're probably going D line, but you got to get someone that has a bigger impact than Davenport or Rankins outside of one season. Um, you, you need to hit on this one in a big way. Yeah, the cap is going to grow uh, a lot next offseason, but you you had to run up that credit card bill again, right? The Andrews Pete, we're talking about him, that contract and the restructure. So you're not going to have to to do as much work as you did this offseason, but because of this offseason, you are going to have to do a little bit more work on the other side, right? Because you had to restructure a ton because of the pandemic, and that's why the, you know, the cap had a big dent in it. But um I don't know. I, I, I enjoy Saints offseason. This NFL offseason has been very interesting. Free agency hasn't been as um, headline-worthy as, say, some of the potential 
trade rumors and things like that. But it, it, it to me, it all fa- falls under the umbrella. My last question, Ralph, I know I got to let you run. Yeah. Uh, being the degenerate that, that you are, um, do you gamble on March Madness at all, or, at all, I, or is that something I you do? Just ha- okay, so how how are we how are we looking here? How you doing? We're looking we're looking okay. I got the Coug- I got Houston Cougars. My wife is a UH graduate. I got a pretty big bet on them to win it all, okay. and their bracket is wide open now. They're the highest seed left by a mile. I feel great about them. Uh, I had Oral Roberts in the first round because that. Not going to the Sweet 16, though. I had Oral Roberts, but the rest of my bracket is destroyed. Like, these number one seeds getting put out. I mean, this this bracket, this might be the most on-fire, burn-to-the-ground bracket I've ever seen in my life because you would have so many high seeds gone before you even got to the second weekend. Make it happen. I'm all for it, man. Burn them down. Ralph Malbro has been our guest. Check out the Saints Happy Hour podcast and uh, follow him on Twitter at Saints Forecast. Ralph, always appreciate the time, man. Been enjoying listening to the shows, and um, you know, let's 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 keep working on those audio levels, okay? We do. We need to work on the audio levels. But the Saints, they need to give me a move. I am an off-season Saints free agent addict. I need Mickey Loomis to do something, whether it's Richard Sherman or some washed-up defensive lineman. Like I, I'm an addict. I need the Saints to do a couple moves. Scott, I'm having withdrawals. This is no fun. They need to get. They need to figure out and get some cap space for me. I'm jonesing for some action. Make it happen. Make it happen, Mickey. Get him on speed dial. Appreciate the time, my friend. All the best, and I know I'll be talking to you down the road. Anytime, Scott.